How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Happy Monday out there. Hope everybody is enjoying themselves before we get to the holidays. Don't know what everybody's family is going to get in town or when you're going to go out of town, but welcome into the Gabe Coon Show, December 18, 2023. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Kuhn on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's the word, brother? What's up, man? How was your weekend? Good. It was great. Great weekend. You're wearing the denim today. I am rocking a denim jacket today. I am. Beautiful stuff. Because it's 30 degrees in the producer's booth. Yes. It's always colder in here. It is freezing. It's not even bad outside. No. Not bad. Even though we're in the middle of December here. Um, But. Looks good, man. Looks good. Well, I, need, I, need, I need some denim. I need some denim. Your little H and M, bang. We see, yeah, yeah. But see, you, you're a little issue. big and tall. That's the issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah they don't have H and M big and tall section, brother. <laughs> I've tried a two X from H uh, and M. It just it, it, it doesn't hit the same. Doesn't doesn't fit the same. We have three hours of talk on the way, or two and a half hours of talk on the way, courtesy of ninety two nine FM, ESPN, and yours truly. Before we pass you off to Grizzlies versus the Thunder on the. Grizzlies Radio Network. It's an away game. So uh, Gary Darby's going to take over at 6.30. Tip will be at 7 o'clock with Eric Hasseltine on the call. We're going to open up Tigers versus Clemson, and they win. 79-77 against the number 13 team in the country. And uh, everybody was wondering about the AP poll, Connor. The AP poll gave us an answer. I still think they're too low, but based on where we've been this entire year and not getting in, I think it's a welcome sight to see them at number 23 in the AP poll. We'll talk about the Grizzlies and uh, Friday's Dylan Brooks uh, revenge game. That was, uh, I listen, I think it was an ode to Il- Dylan Brooks. They did have their, uh, their uh, tribute video, so there was that. First half wasn't good for him, but I think that's how he would draw it up, right? Like, he would draw it up one for seven for two points in the first half, and then the second half, 24 of his 26 points. It was a classic Dylan Brooks and performance then the dagger, in the Four. And then the dagger and the trash talk back and forth between Desmond Bay. That's exactly how he would have drawn it up. It's exactly how now, he would have. You can say what you want about it not being a complete game for him, but I think he would term that a complete game. 
Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. He shot his team out of it, and then he shot his team back into it. Yes. That's so a perfect Dylan Brooks game. There was that. Um, but we have Grizzlies at Thunder tonight as well. Um, I also want to have a discussion um, before we even get to the trip around the NFL. We have a new favorite in the clubhouse to win the NFL's MVP because Dak Prescott was miserable against the Bills yesterday. They lost 31-10, to and he didn't have a passing touchdown. Brock Purdy, mm. per ESPN bet as of this morning, Minus 190 to win the NFL's MVP. And we know it's a quarterback award, so that, that seems what they're, go- like they're, what they're going to do with it. But is that the right decision where we have three weeks left in the regular season? Should he win? I'll answer that for you. I think most people know which way I'm going to lean on that. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins at 5 o'clock from the Daily Memphian. He's a columnist there and Jeff Calkins show. And then 6 o'clock for the last time this year, unless there's some other things we can bring him on for. Um, Harold Grader, the Associate Executive Director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game, will be on the 29th, 65th edition of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl with our hometown Tigers versus Iowa State, replay of 2017. But for him, I, I think what, what's going to have to be on the docket is tomorrow. You know what tomorrow is, Connor? Tomorrow's a bit of a big day. Yeah, uh, there is a vote taking place on a potential resolution for Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium and for FedEx Forum for stadium projects. in the city tomorrow. Yeah, I wonder if the people at the Autos on Liberty Bowl have met today. I, something tells me they have. Maybe. Something tells me they have Probably. talked about what is, uh, what is on the docket for tomorrow because it's important for all of us, including them, Fred Jones um, with the Southern Heritage Classic, University of Memphis, City of Memphis. It is an important day tomorrow, so we should have some news. I'm hoping positive news. I'm hoping we're not holding this thing up because the city want to keep, wants to keep their hands on, quite frankly, a liability in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium since it's been in their grasp all these years. So I hope we're talking about good news tomorrow. Trip around the NFL will be at 5.30 and small talk, of course, at 5.50. But the Tigers basketball team, 8-2, and W over Clemson, 79-77. to We'll talk about that game in a second. But the AP poll was published around 11.30 today. And I was wondering where they would end up quite frankly, because when you look at their resume, they have three top 25 wins. The only other team with three top 25 wins, you know who that is? Number one team in the country in Purdue. Every other team that's even close to those numbers, two or three top 25 wins, they are well into the top 15. Tigers come in at 23. I get that the Villanova difference at the end of that game in the Bahamas definitely um, – docks the Tigers to a certain extent. The loss to Ole Miss docks them a tad bit as Ole Miss gets in at 25. I know the head-to-head was there and Ole Miss won, but Ole Miss, that's their own, that's their biggest win of the year by far. Um, and other than that, they haven't played a whole lot of good competition. But the Tigers finally get in at number 23. I thought they should have been a top 20 team based on resume, um, but here we are. They finally get the nod, and then they're going to have a chance tomorrow night um, to go deal with the number 22 team in the country, the team that's right ahead of them. In Virginia, and it's going to be a back and forth. We know how Tony Bennett's teams are going to play. It's going to be slowed down. They're going to try to drag it out, play the half-court game. It's going to be one of those games where something has to give. Can the Tigers speed them up, or is Virginia going to slow them down? And I think that will tell you ultimately what the final score is going to look like. But still more for the Tigers to accomplish with this out-of-conference schedule. You have Virginia, you have Vandy, then you have Austin P to wrap it up. And um, I, I, I sort of was just given a look ahead at the schedule. And if you think about it, the Tigers beat Virginia tomorrow night. You're looking at a team who will not lose a game 
I mean, there's really not much potential to lose a game until mid-January, maybe on the road against Tulane. You're going to have Virginia, Vandy, Austin P, at Tulsa, SMU, UTSA, Wichita State, South Florida, then at Tulane on the 21st. I don't really see them being all, any of those other teams being all that competitive outside of Virginia until that Tulane game. And this team could go on a hell of a win streak, and this record could start to look really, really good for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a doubt in the world that Penny Hardaway's scheduling has done exactly what he hoped it would. It has put the Memphis Tigers on the national stage in a way that is highly impressive. They have six wins inside the top 100 at Kimpom already this year, and they've only played 10 games. That's big yep. time. That's big time. And it- Most of them have been on the road. One huge win at home, which shows they can take care of business at home. And like you said, they have an opportunity to win a ton of basketball here coming up. That's why everybody keeps talking about this team has potential to do something special here because they have gotten through this gauntlet as a schedule. You need to close it out. You you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were favored in the rest of the games that they have in the non-con. I think that they will be able to take care of business. Like you said, Virginia is going to be a tough battle to have. But it's going to come down to, can the Tigers speed them up? Does Virginia slow them down? The turnover battle is going to be big time. If Quinterly's been playing like he has been, that makes me feel a little bit better about the turnover battle because he was tremendous, absolutely tremendous against Clemson. So, yeah, it's it's really impressive what they've been able to put together. And then on top of it, you got Tomlin coming. Yes, you have Naquan Tomlin. Uh, Very exciting thing. He was he was in the stands for the Clemson game. Yes, it was was a whiteout. He was a whiteout, and he only he had the black zip up Nike sweatshirt. So that was funny. In itself. Um, but, yeah, I, I to your point about the scheduling, Brad Brownell, who's the head coach for uh, Clemson, had an interesting comment after the game, and I'm paraphrasing a, a tad bit here, uh, but he basically said not a lot of us are as uh, comfortable in our jobs, feel like our job security is well enough to schedule the way the Tigers have. And I'll tell you this, Penny Hardaway is very comfortable in his shoes. He's very comfortable with his job security. And part of the reason... Um, that you schedule like this is so you can move that seed line up. He's tired of being in that 8-9 game. He's tired of being a, a, you know, a potential double-digit seed as a 10 seed. He's got to move up. You have to win some of these massive games. And quite frankly, looking at this out-of-conference schedule, if I told you before the year they were going to beat Mizzou on the road with, uh, without Penny Hardaway, they were going to win two games on the, or on, at a neutral site in the Bahamas against two uh, Power 5 teams, one being ranked in Arkansas. If I told you they were going to win back-to-back top 25 games, one on the road and one at home against A&M and Clemson, you would have told me all those things going that correctly. I was probably a little bit crazy. But here we sit at 8-2, and two, and I think they've managed this thing just about as good as possible. Now, you could, you could you know, have your conversations about Ole Miss and finishing that game out and losing by three and how that's a, a little bit of a bummer. But that, that, that loss, quite frankly, is aged relatively well. That's a top 25 team. They haven't lost a game. So sitting at 8-2 and two, with three top 25 wins, having beat all the, what is it, six teams in the, in the top 100 at Ken Palm, this is best possible case scenario, in my opinion. This is exactly where you want to be if you want to raise that seed line to where you want to raise it. Yeah, it's one of those situations where, to kind of put it in perspective, we do this exercise a lot, but if at, before the season had started, if somebody came to you and said 10 games in, they'll be 8-2 and two with three top 25 wins, do you want to take that? Or what else could happen? You're oh, gonna yeah, go, yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah, to take option A. I'm going to take that one. And we're ranked number 23. Sick. And then also, I think like when you think about the things that have sort of gone wrong, like not having Jordan Brown and winning this Man. many top 25 games and winning six top. 
100 Ken Palm games, that in itself was impressive as hell. This was supposed to be a centerpiece, and he's not a part of the program right now. Right. Now, they still say that nothing has changed, and he's still sick, and he's sure. still ill, whatever it is. But if you would have told me that as well, and they were still 8-2 and two and pacing it this way, that is that is phenomenal. And it does highlight how good of a coaching job we've seen from Penny Hardaway and that staff. Right. And they deserve a lot of credit for what they were able to do. And that Clemson game, um, let's be honest. Now, free throws didn't drop for Caleb Mills there late. If he, if he knocks down those free throws, you feel a lot better about where you were. But what did Penny Hardaway do as soon as they tried to bring the ball up across half court? Fouled them up three. Fouled them up three. That's the decision that should have been made in 08. That's the decision hey, that was hey, finally hey, made now. Hey. But in the end of the day, they make that decision. I thought it was very well executed by the coaching staff where the players may not have executed the way they should have, knocking down the free throws. Caleb Mills should have knocked those down. He didn't. Coaches have to pick up uh, the slack for, for the players sort of uh, uh, not executing the way they should have. Don't disagree with anything you said. You got to give a trigger warning before you bring up 08, I know, man. I get it. I'm that just that came out of nowhere. I wasn't but still, prepared. But be honest. I mean, <laughs> no, that's the no, decision soon, everybody wanted made. I mean, I, I tweeted it out. At the end of games, if there is a Memphis free throw, every single one of us gets taken back to where we were in 2008, and there's nothing that's going to change that. So seeing Penny Hardaway foul when he was up three, it was healing. There was a bit of me that healed in that moment yes. after they won that basketball game. Uh, you talked about the absence of Jordan Brown. I do think that this this is probably the moment where we could talk about, man, how about Malco? Yep. How about the effort that that guy puts out there? He is a winning player. I am so thrilled that he is on this bas- basketball team. His leadership his dog in him and his constant the, hustle and, have been huge for the Tigers. He was so good on the defensive end, and he had that massive no, dunk at the end. Nick Jordan, too, continues to be active and a glue guy for this team. Everybody stepped up when they needed him to. Everybody did. With Malcolm, I, watching that game, and really watching the last two games in particular, just where he's giving really good effort, and he's able to run the floor, and he's able to play rebounding. minutes. He's rebounding at a high level, doing all the dirty work. I remember this offseason, when there was the conversations about Malcolm returning to this team, do you remember sort of the overarching sentiment? This is year five. We haven't seen much from him. He's always hurt. His his career didn't go the way it was. Let him walk. Could you imagine if the, where this team would have been in the front court if they would have let Malcolm Dandridge walk and didn't give the effort to bring him back to this program? They'd be nowhere. They wouldn't have a natural five. They wouldn't have anybody to fill in that 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 type of role. Nick Jordan would have to be the one to step up, and that's not his natural role by any stretch of the imagination. So (laughs) as much as the conversation in the offseason was around Malcolm Dandridge, are we really going to go down this route again? Thank God the staff didn't listen to anybody out there in in the public. Thank God the staff didn't listen to the fan base when it came to Malcolm Dandridge, or you'd be without a five and be without one of the guys who has been a steadying presence in that front court this entire year. Yeah, I mean, that steal at the end of the game was big time. Big time. And then and effort and the fact that he was able to toe the sideline and stay out or stay oh, in. Oh, you're talking that? Yeah, that, that, was that one as well. That was, because I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoy big men, big men running the floor like that. And then you have Javon Quinterly just, man. What a performance that was. And your, your steal, you're talking about the one in the half court set yeah. where he, where he dove on the ground, made a bunch of things, had a bunch of effort there. But this team... Without Malco, would be in a in a substantially worse place. Yes, and it's it's impressive, and I'm happy to see it, man. This is a guy who just he, when we, he's when earned we, it. When we talk about luck and things not going someone's way, it's finally turning for him. And it took a while, 
and he doesn't have much uh, eligibility left. He just has the rest of this year. But I'm glad to see the luck is finally sort of shifting toward Malcolm in this particular situation. Yes. That's nice. That's nice. Now, um, David Jones, can we say anything more about him? Pro. Can, uh, can we say? He's I mean, a pro. He, he's absolutely a pro. Like, there's no doubt about it in my mind. He's 6'6", 210. He can run the floor, does all the dirty work you possibly want. People Plays love really lefties. good defense. Good lefty. Uh, his three ball has been very, very good this year. He can score at all three levels. He gets to the free throw line at a high level. He, did, he got there 12 times against Clemson. I, I don't know what else to say about the guy. We just know consistently what he's going to do. In big moments, he's going to show up. He's going to show up. He may turn the ball over. There may be some mistakes within there, but you take the, a lot more good with the little bit of bad that he may bring. But David Jones is so consistent. He's been so consistent uh, through the toughest part of their schedule, and I expect that to really hold once he gets to conference play. This is going to be a guy, I mean, we talk about him in conference play, conference player of the year type guy. No question oh, about he's it. Gonna, 20, he's 20 points per game. People. Yeah. Um, he's gonna. He's definitely going to rebound at a high level. Um, you need to watch out for him in certain games, maybe being a triple-double threat. And Penny talked about that before the year. I, I think once he gets into conference play, it's going to be a – he's going to slaughter. He's going to be a demon. He's going to be a demon once he gets into, into conference play. And it's going to be exciting to see. Yeah, you know, it's when you watch his, his game, he really is one of the best – pure scores I think the Tigers have ever had. He's really up in that upper echelon. He just he can score at any level. He can get around guys. He makes things happen. He's got a good three ball. I know none of the threes were. That was one thing about, about the game. Tigers hit four threes. Yes. And, the, and they won that game. Imagine if just a few more of those went in. Because overall as a game, outside of the three-pointers, it was one of the best I've ever seen a Penny Hardaway team play. Their defense was tremendous. The way they took care of the basketball and executed on the offensive end Six turnovers the entire game. It was great. Six turnovers? When was, I mean, is that the fewest? That's fewest in a long time. A long time. Like, when I saw that, I was like, is that the first but, but half? But doesn't know what it highlights. Is it, I talked about the coaching, team. but, like, it highlights the fact that this team is talented enough to when things don't go their way, the things that they do well, knock down a three-point ball, um, get out. they did get out in transition, but when they don't knock down that three-point ball, when the things on the offensive end aren't falling the way that they should, they can still find ways to win ball games and play at a high level, even if the, the three-ball isn't going to be their great equalizer. Right. I mean, in the end of the day, four for 26 is miserable, but you only turned the ball over six times. You had 17 points off turnovers. You, you made Clemson, who's been really good with the ball so far this year, um, turn the ball over 14 times. You held them to seven for 23 from three when their season average is right around 40%. Like, they, there's just other ways that this team can win Besides doing the exact right things all the time, they can still out talent you, out athlete you when it comes to the to the end of the game, and they'll just sort of scratch and claw in some ugly games if they need to. They can also play some really good offensive ball at times. They didn't do that on on, on Saturday, but they still found a way to win that game by two, and they probably should have won it by more if they would have executed and knocked down some free throws. Their defense and their athleticism was just too much for Clemson to handle in that moment, and it was nice to see. It's We've seen the Tigers now win a few different ways, like you said, and I do think that that's important for a team that has, you know, second weekend aspirations. It makes it you can see the vision of that a little bit more clearly when they win games like this. Clemson's a very good basketball team, and they were able to take every punch they threw at them and punch right back. Like, they were always in it. Even when they would get down, they would stay in it. They stayed calm. And I also think, you know, I know it's just one game, but 
the turnovers only being six may be a sign of this team is starting to gel a little bit and they know where everybody's going to be. The roles are becoming a little bit more clear. There's less panic out there, and that's nice to see. And, and could you imagine if they only turned the ball over six times and knocked down some of their threes? This game would have been very close. Yeah. I mean, they're shooting around, what, 35 36% on the year from three. If they would have hit that uh, particular mark, their average, this game would have been a lot, a lot more lopsided. And, and also um, – Seeing them at home and seeing what the home crowd was able to do to rally them to go get that win when they were down at, down by seven at half, that in itself is, is fun to see. I mean, that, obviously, I think it was, what, about 15-5, something like that. Uh, the upper deck was not as full as, as you'd imagine, but the, the bottom two, um, you know, the, the bottom level, first level, and then the club seats were completely filled with white. It looked great on TV. Right. Look great. Yes, and I mean, you, you again. Brad Brownell, coach for Clemson, said this is this rally. I mean, this is rivals anything they see in the ACC, at the very top of that conference, and they don't have as big arenas. They're not playing in pro arenas in that conference. So that that was really cool, and it was cool to see uh, the Tigers fans show up and show out. It's been a fun season. Yes, it's, it's been a and, really and, and fun I, I year. Think, I think there's still plenty ahead. Yeah, for sure. There's and still that's a whole why, lot you know, ahead. Coming up, still got to take care of business against Virginia, Vanderbilt, and Austin P. before you get to the conference schedule. You know, stay focused, keep it rolling. But, man, I don't – it's just – it's been nice that early season hasn't been nerve-wracking. I've been looking forward to every single Tigers game. You feel like they have a chance to win in every single game. We talked about how they need to be playing some of their best basketball right now, and the good news is is they're playing very good basketball right now. But with the addition of Tomlin coming, this team continuing to gel, I do think the ceiling on this team is just going to keep going up a little bit. Like there's, They've got another level, I think, that they can go to, and that's exciting if you're a Memphis fan. Virginia's going to be a good test because they play the exact opposite version yep. of basketball that you like to play. So which one's going to win? Yep, and uh, I also think, you know, contrary to years past, you, you feel good. Uh, and obviously, like, I don't think you had the best performances off the bench in the world. Caleb Bills and Jaquan Walton were a combined 0 for 10 from 3, and that's not going to happen every single game. But to see what this bench unit looks like when, when Penny pulls the strings and, and, and does some of his substitutions, you don't feel bad about the production fall off going to that second unit. You still you trust have, you still have a inordinate amount of depth that I don't think Penny Hardaway's ever had right. on, on a team. Well, the big the thing is, is you know, with this team specifically, even if they don't have it on the offensive end of the basketball, they've showed up defensively every single game, yep. and that's what you can rely on. And if you know, hey, our bench may not have it offensively right now, but they can give the starters a bit of a rest because we know that they can hold the fort defensively. That's a lot. That's a good thing for a coach to have. If you have confidence that your bench is going to be able to disrupt what the other team is doing, they can still put points up every once in a while. But if they don't, just don't have it on a shooting night, you can still trust them because they can keep the game within reach. And that's exactly what they did. Even if, even though they weren't scoring, they were messing with Clemson enough to where when the starters came back in, they got the business. And uh, do people respect Jalen Young as a? As I was a about to. I was about handler. to say Jalen Young's Seven been good points, this year. Three for Unsung three from hero. the field. Yeah. One for one from three. Uh, he's really good as far as his on-ball perimeter defense is concerned. He can definitely get out and transition and make things happen. Doesn't really make mistakes. Plays within himself. As a backup ball handler comes, that is as good as you can truthfully ask for. When Javon Quinterly's not on the floor, 
Like in years past, when Kendrick Davis is not on the floor and you don't have, I mean, you bring in Alex Lomax to be your main ball handler, you have some concerns about that. Jalen Young has alleviated those concerns. When Javon Quinterly leaves the floor, you still feel confident about this team being able to stay on their P's and Q's, not turn the ball over at a high level, and be comfortable in their offensive sets. So I think that that, that has been helpful in itself, but that just goes to the whole second unit being trustworthy. You just need them to be trustworthy, and they have been that so far, even in some big games. Right, right. So we will see how this all ages. But tomorrow, Virginia, number 22 team in the country. You, you should feel good about it. I don't blame you for not feeling good about it. I don't think they'll shoot the three ball as bad as they did uh, on Saturday. But it's going to be who can uh, who can dictate pace, who can dictate and, and show their style of ball. Is Virginia going to slow down the Tigers or the Tigers going to speed up Virginia? Whoever can uh, sort of uh, impose their will stylistically will win this game. That's, that's sort of, with anybody playing Virginia, that is how they get over top, is by making sure you speed them up, make them turn the ball over, bring the defensive intensity, make them uncomfortable. You are playing a team that averages 66 points per game, but they give up 53 a game. Yep. They are very, very good on the defensive end of the basketball. Very good. They they always are. They always are. A&M, they held them to 47 points. Yep. It's crazy. But this is just sort of like every year. It's going to be a dogfight. With Virginia, drag and drop. Drag and drop. This is what they're going to be no matter what they're – I mean, when they won the national championship, they had had a really good offensive team. Um, So maybe it's not always like that for them every year. They had some NBA-type talent, DeAndre Hunter, those type of guys. Um, they don't necessarily have that this year, especially on the offensive end, but they're always going to bring the intensity defensively and make you uncomfortable. So, again, who's going to who's going to dictate pace and make their style of play rule the day? And I think right now, based on the confidence that the Tigers have and the fact that they're at home, I would not bet against the Tigers in that regard. Well, that's another thing. It's It's really... Virginia's first road game. I think it might be their first road game. I don't know if they've played a road game this season. So I, I think that all of their wins have come at home. So it's the first time that they're going to be on the road to make it a tough environment. It's going to be fun. And their one loss of the year is against uh, Wisconsin, and they just couldn't do anything offensively. But Wisconsin versus Virginia, that is, a, that is the same exact style. Sort of slow it down, make you uncomfortable playing the half court. Tigers aren't going to do that. They need to speed them up and make some things happen that way and shoot the ball a little bit better, Right. Keep the turnovers down, shoot the ball a little bit better, and it should be you may you may be able to cruise because I think you're better athletes. I think you have a, a more talent, more experienced talent on your roster. You're probably a tad bit deeper. Go make it happen. Go make it happen. And if you, I mean, the fact that we're talking about this Memphis team, theoretically, by the end of of of, of out of conference play, they could be nine, ten, eleven, and two, eleven and two with four top twenty-five wins. Where, where does that put you in the AP Top 25? And I still look today, and again, I'm not going to go off on Dick Vitale by any stretch of the imagination, but there's still people out there um, that, that vote on the AP poll. Dick Vitale, Kevin Brockway, Sheldon Mickles, uh, Brett Bloomquist, Brian Holland, Dave Preston, Bob Ballou, Jeff Welsh, um, Tony Garcia, Andrew Quinn, J.B. Ricks. Those people all had this Tigers team not ranked. I, I still I don't pay attention. I don't know how <laughs> that, you have ridiculous. that opinion. It's I ridiculous. don't know how you have that opinion. I ju- I cannot understand that at this point in the season. There is no team. Uh, I mean, they are right there with Purdue with three top twenty-five wins, and Purdue is number one in the country. 
Like, there just comes a point where you have to put a couple, like the, the Ole Miss loss, you put the Villanova loss at least a little bit to the side. You can penalize it for them, penalize them for that later. But when you look at what they've done in winning these eight games, three against top 25 opponents, six against the Ken Palm top 100, I don't know how you have the opinion that they should be left out of the AP top 25. And again, ultimately, I, I heard somebody make this point, um, because I, I always say, like, with the AP Top 25, it doesn't quite matter. It doesn't really matter at this particular moment. It's just sort of for your, you know, mental health to see your team get in the Top 25, to see that the national media is starting to latch onto them and understand what they're capable of. Um, but I do think there's something to be said about this Tiger team being under, uh, uh, under-talked about, uh, under-ranked um, in the AP poll, it does, it seems to be a rallying cry for them, and I like that. I think that has helped them through the early season. Gives them a little bulletin board material, and they definitely take it and run with it. Yeah, that's why, you know, I agree with you. I do think that they're actually a top 20 team. I said that you could argue that they're a top 15, but, you know, we'll, we'll wait on that to see what happens with Virginia. But hopefully the message that Penny Hardaway is giving his team and the one I probably expect him to be giving is, hey, we think we're top 20. They still have you at 23. Go prove them wrong. Yep. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Now, um, Grizzlies... Friday, it went about as good as it could have gone for uh, Dylan Brooks, didn't it? Two points in the first half, one for seven. Still played good defense. I'll give him credit. And he got into Desmond Bain's head a little bit, and there was some back and forth there. There were some technicals given out, but he had two points, one for seven uh, from the field. And then in the second half, 24 points of his 26, which was a season high, and the dagger right over top to put them up by five in the late going. Dylan Brooks, uh, he I mean, as of right now, he has the last laugh with this Grizzlies franchise, this Grizzlies organization, this Grizzlies roster, the entire team. Like, he got the last laugh. And uh, he did exactly, exactly what you expect Dylan Brooks to do in a game that means something to him. Yeah, it, uh... If you're a Grizzlies fan, it went the worst possible way you, right. you, you wanted but it to Dylan go. for Dylan Brooks. For Dylan Brooks, it went exactly how he wanted it to. Um, I will say, I thought that the fan reception of him was very fun. I really enjoyed the video, and I did like seeing Dylan get a bit emotional about about the video. Because yeah. Memphis, I do think, means a lot to him. He's talked about how he, missed the, he misses the city, and he, he's got love for the fan base and all of that stuff. So, But at the end of the day, he did get the last laugh. He did get the last laugh, and... You know, there needs to be some tough conversations about this roster. I, uh, some of them are already happening, but two of the guys that played in that game on Friday, I just don't know if it's ever going to work. I don't know if it's ever going to work. Well, it, and they played the game before that, too. Zaire Williams yeah. and, and Jake LaRavia. And they both, uh, Jake LaRavia had two points, Zaire, none. I I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just of the opinion I know that the Grizzlies are probably going to stand by these guys at least till the end of the year to see what happens and see if they can get something out of them. But you've given them opportunities, and they just can't come through. Yeah. With LaRavia, you know, though you can make an excuse that, and it's not one that I agree with, but that he's, you know, he's only in his second season. He hasn't gotten but as much playing time. Hold on. Okay. But Zaire, it's I, been three years. It's, right. it's well past time that you know with him. 
Jake, though, my thing is, what are we waiting on him to become? Because I don't... Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details see signs of it at all you know if we're waiting on him to become some shooter why well he doesn't shoot when he's in the game so to become a shooter you and have he's to a actually complete shoot. negative on the defensive end it's There's not just nothing it's not just a the negative defensive. they hunt him yeah he's being hunted by opposing teams he is actively hurting your team he played 15 minutes or he played 10, 10. minutes and he was minus six 10. like that's crazy that's crazy he played for 10 minutes and he was minus six. They were hunting him. There was a reason you can't play Jake LaRavia. Somebody put out a clip. I don't know who it was, and I'm sorry to you, for, but I'm about to have to, to dig you a little bit. They put out a tape of him trying to say he was playing good defense. His feet were moving like Fred Flintstone trying to drive a car. It was crazy. He does not play good defense. He's just in front of people sometimes. He's not good he defensively. Quick, He's terrible on the offensive end right now. What are they waiting on? Are they waiting on? Are they waiting to see if Ja comes back and revitalizes these two guys? Because I'm just gonna be honest with you, I don't know if that's enough. I, I, it's when you watch them play, it's dreadful. It, you are just waiting for. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And it's not just. It's just not shooting. It's not just bad defense. It's being in the wrong spots. It's looking unconfident out there. It's getting blown past on defense. You're they're doing things that are actively hurting the team. So them being out there, I know that we're waiting for them to become something. But at some point, the waiting hurts you actively, and we're at a point in the season where it's like, we've got to make tough decisions. I'm yeah. sorry, but we do. Everybody watches it. It's not good. We're a season and some change into Jake LaRavia's career, and here's my issue with where we're at with Jake LaRavia. When you drafted him, you drafted a junior. You drafted a junior out of college. This was a guy that you needed to be who he was immediately. Yeah, you could give him a little bit of time to really grow into himself. We know Desmond Bain was an old guy when you drafted him out of TCU, and it took him a year. But he also showed that he was an elite three-point shooter year one. 
rookie. Came, came off the bench most of those games and was solid as a three-point shooter, showed some ability, got into it with people in the play-in, you know, uh, got after people. Jake LaRavia doesn't have that intensity, and quite frankly, like when you drafted him, you expected, okay, he is going to be a high-floor type of guy. We'll talk about the ceiling later. He's not even that. He's not a high-floor guy. He is a very low-floor guy, and I don't see the ceiling either. That's your point. You're saying, what do you think he's going to grow into? I don't see what he can actually grow into. He's just not athletic enough. The three-point ball is not good enough. He's not great at getting off the dribble. He's not some three-level scorer that you, that you can count on. So, like, what is the ceiling? What do you see? If we're talking about the image of what you thought Jake LaRavia could be at his peak, what was that? If you're the Grizzlies front office, what was Jake LaRavia at his peak? Because I don't know what it is especially after seeing him play for a season and some change now. I, 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 I don't see the vision. But they're, they're going to stand by these guys because they drafted 110 overall. They drafted 119th overall. They're going to say that they had a thought process behind bringing these guys in to potentially be wings of the future. I think they're going to try to at least um, figure out what they have for the rest of the year unless Jake LaRavia gets traded uh, by the trade deadline. Um, so cross your fingers for that if you're not a Jake LaRavia fan. But we'll see. We'll see what, what the future of these guys looks like in a well, Grizzlies uniform. I think the hope is when Ja, Luke, and Smart return, I'm going to be honest, they just shouldn't see the floor. Those two guys should just shouldn't be playing. If, if When all of those guys are back healthy, and now with the rise of Vince Williams Jr., there's just no argument that you can give me that justifies those two playing unless like major injuries happen again. That's the only way I see them getting out there. Because again, it's not just that we're waiting for them to develop things. They are actively hurting the team. Yep. I know that Zaire has had moments this season. He shows flashes. In his rookie year, We've too. said sure. like once every four or five games, he has a really, really good game. And that's great. But at this point, you've got to be consistent. You've got to be consistent to have a spot on this basketball team that is trying to contend in the future. This season, we can talk about if they still have a shot. Probably not. The play-in may not even be a possibility right now. They're going to go for it. If they make it, great. But if there's, it's highly likely that they may not even make the play-in. But I still don't want to just throw him out there and see what happens when we kind of know what the end result's going to be. And yeah. to your point about Jake, he's 22. Yes. And, like, I understand that You didn't that draft that's, a young man. I get you that's young. I, un- I get that that's young in, like, normal people. But, like, for the NBA, you kind of are what you are when you're 22, 23. Like, yeah. I don't – especially when you're not showing signs of anything. Like, if you've shown signs of potential and growth, yeah, we'll keep you rolling. Okay, you're not who you are yet at 22. But it's been nothing. <laughs> it's zero. So and, what and is going to be like, – If we're going to compare it to, like, Desmond Bain, who was even older when right. he got drafted, he was still a 40% three-point shooter his rookie year. <laughs> like what? What's Jake showing me? What's Jake showing me? Even if when you're even, a shooter, you got to shoot. And even when he gets the preferential treatment with the hustle, yes, he'll have thirty point game, twenty five, thirty point games. But you know the efficiency may not be as high, and he's never going to get those same opportunities at the pro level, at the NBA level. So you can't really translate those things. You can't act like that is going to eventually be something. I just don't see it right now. I I, I just don't see it now. Vince Williams Jr. I do see. Um, this is my favorite stat. 16 games he's played this year. He started two games. Um, and in that game against the uh, Rockets, he just shows up. and sh- I mean, 11-8-3, um, two steals, or one steal, two blocks. Um, honestly, a minus seven for him is incredibly low, but plus minus didn't tell the whole story there. But the stat here is per 100 possessions, the Grizzlies have been 6.2 points better per 100 possessions 
when he is uh, on the floor. Uh, when he's on the bench, minus point nine point seven net rating. When he's on the court, plus five point eight. That's fifteen point five. That's a switch. That's two times better than any other Grizzlies player when it comes to on bench versus on court. And for a comparison, and I know this is a ridiculous comparison, but Jokic is plus seventeen and a half, and Vince Williams Jr. is plus fifteen. And a half. So what you're saying is Vince Williams Jr. is the MVP of the. NBA. <laughs> I'm just saying he makes a difference in winning <laughs> basketball. And he does. It's not close, and it's visible. And not only is it visible, the metrics show it. And and it does beg the question for me: Why did it take so long to make this thing happen? And there's a lot of different thoughts out there. I see people, and I think this is the wrong way to look at it. I see people going after Taylor Jenkins for it. Um, maybe he had. Maybe the the front office gave him uh, the keys to it and said, "If you want to play Vince, Vince is here." Yada yada yada. But something tells me that in the end of the day, we saw a guy who was drafted tenth overall a few years ago, a guy who was nineteenth overall, twenty third overall, and David Roddy. Um, those were the guys that were going to get the preferential minutes on the wing. Yeah, for this team, and it, it something tells me that the front office was part of the reason Vince Williams Jr. didn't get the early season, like very early season shots over Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, Zaire Williams, the likes of those guys. Maybe. That's what I sort of think, because that's how you see teams move in the NBA. If you were the 47th overall pick and you had first-round picks that that play similar types of roles, you expect to play similar types of roles, those guys are going to get the looks first. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I blame Taylor Jenkins for pulling the trigger late. I think this has a little bit more to do with the front office and who they're putting in preferential positions. Listen, Vince has been playing big minutes for a while now, like for two or three weeks. So it's I'm I'm not interested in like, did he pull the trigger too late? It, we had to figure out what these guys were. Like everybody going into yep. the season, everybody was in agreement. Hey, these guys aren't great, but we've got to at least see what they are. Like I think that we all knew that. And the first twenty five games was an audition. And two of them did horribly. Yes. And one of them did okay. And one of them did great. And it was Vince Williams Jr. He did great. He is a rotation player. And we talked about his age. He's 23. He is what he is. We know what he is, though. And when he's out there, it's winning basketball. You can see it with your eyes. You see it with the metrics. When you watch him play, when he gets thrown the basketball, you know what he doesn't do? Stand still. Yes. You know what the rest of the team doesn't have to do? Run toward him to help him. And at the very least, he plays with confidence. Yes. Those guys don't That's show. That's the biggest thing. It's <laughs> confidence. He moves with purpose. Zaire and Jake, when you throw them the basketball, they freeze. And, and if, or it, or the, it, they do not play with confidence. That is the biggest thing. It's the confidence factor. And that's why we talk about Jake. I just don't know if it's ever going to show up. If 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 you're one blaming Taylor Jenkins for not pulling the trigger and, and putting Vince Williams Jr. out there earlier, I just want you to think about this. Is it hard to believe that guys that they've invested more in that have contracts and Zaire Williams and Jake LaRavia, and I'll leave David Roddy out of this because he's been actually relatively okay compared to those other two guys. But is it hard to believe that the guys that they've invested more in wouldn't get the first shots? Right. Of course they're going to get the first shots. Right. That's why Vince Williams Jr. has been all, uh, is, is, is just now finally getting involved. Like, I, I, I just have a hard time blaming on Taylor Jenkins. Now, if we get few, uh, you know, get down the road, everybody gets healthy, and Vince Williams Jr. minutes go away, which I don't foresee, then we can have a conversation about Taylor Jenkins and what he may not see in Vince Williams Jr. that we all see night to night. But for right now, the fact that this is still a relatively young season, the fact that we're starting to see uh, Vince Williams Jr. get involved, something tells me this was the front office trying to prioritize guys that they invested heavily into. A lot more heavily than they did Vince Williams Jr. He's a two-way guy still. 
Yeah. And I think at some point they're going to convert or, or, yeah, they're going to make sure that that contract gets to full um, after 50 games. They don't have to do it right now. But I feel like this was a front office decision more than it was anything Taylor Jenkins had to do. I don't even think – it may not even be that complicated. I think they just had to figure out if one of these guys could play before Ja right. got back. I think it's that simple. It's And that's why it's, you know, that's the why. You can disagree with it. That's fine. But if you ask us why this happened and we tell you and you get mad at us, we're yeah. telling you why. It's yeah. not – you don't have to agree with the reasoning. But they played those guys because you had to figure out what they were. So that you had to figure out: Do we make moves with them? What do we do? We got to consolidate our roster when Jaw comes back, and we got to get ready moving forward. All right. And guess what? You figured it out. They they ain't got it. All right. Now, final thing. I know this is going to rub people the wrong way, um, but Kenneth Lofton Jr. is basically he's going to be waived. We haven't gotten the official word from the Grizzlies, but the Michael Cole published a story for the Commercial Appeal saying that he's likely done. With the Grizzlies, after getting a contract last year, and I think earning a contract, we know he had the forty-two point game when they had the G League guys out there late in the season last year, and he's made an impact. He's fun to watch when he's on the offensive end, but ultimately, it's about team need right now. And who do you need more, Bismack Biombo or Kenneth Lofton Jr. playing no minutes and not playing the role that you need him to play with Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark in this front court being the way it is? I think it was an easy decision, and we said that the the entire time. I know people have latched on to Kenneth Lofton Jr., and they really appreciate him. They like him. They see that he's a hooper. But in the end of the day, he came into uh, camp overweight thirty by 30 pounds. He doesn't really do the whole setting screen, rebounding thing, defense thing at the highest of levels. And, you know, going forward, you have to find guys that do that at a high level. He just doesn't really fit what this team needs for this year and I think really going into the future. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and it's 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 unfortunate because yeah. I'm rooting for the guy, and I think he'll land on someone's you know roster, you know, two way. I don't know how that's going to work for him, but for the Grizzlies right now, I, I think he just ran out of time to really make his impression felt, and it didn't help that he came in into camp thirty pounds overweight. It's just not if you're not coming from a preferential position that we've talked about several times throughout this conversation, you can't come into camp overweight. It's that simple, you know. It's it's you hate you to have see to be it. reliable. You have to be reliable. It's the tough part about the business of the NBA. You know, it's I don't necessarily agree that he was the guy that needed to be let go, but when you look at the contract situations and dead money and cap hits and things like that, the second apron, it's just it made the most sense for it to be him. And it's unfortunate, and I hope I wish him the best. Uh, you know, I do right. think he's a hooper. He's got to do those other things, though, if he wants a spot in, this, in the NBA. He's got to be doing those things. you got to stay in shape. Yep. Those two things. Very, very simple. Very simple. Very simple. Now, uh, we need to go ahead and transition. We're going to talk about the NFL MVP race where Brock Purdy has the shortest odds to go win the MVP this year. Do I think that's correct? Do I think it's incorrect? I'll tell you on the other side. 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. So there's a new favorite to win NFL MVP after the week that we just had. And, and the reason that is the case as much as it pains me to say, Dak Prescott really hurt himself. Uh, you know, you can make all the excuses in the world for him and what happened this week, losing to the Bills 31-10. to 10. 
Um, you could say that 10 of their players had a stomach bug leading into the game, including some really good offensive pieces. But the truth of the matter is, while we had Dak Prescott completely flailing around, not looking good, not throwing for a touchdown pass, and then ending the game 21 for 34 for 134 and an INT only at 84 yards um, leading into the last couple of drives in that fourth quarter. While that was happening, we had a guy in Brock Purdy beat a division foe in the uh, Arizona Cardinals 45 to 29, keep the uh, 49ers looking very, very untouchable. And he went 16 for 25, 242 yards and four TDs, no INTs. Now, I think there's two different discussions that need to come out of this. One is the personal discussion. Do I think, by the definition, everything I'm laying out, do I think that Brock Purdy is the most valuable, most valuable player in the NFL? No. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. No, I don't. I do not think that Brock Purdy is the most valuable player in the NFL, regardless of what his stats say. I think he has a lot of guys that do a lot of things for him, including his running back in Christian McCaffrey, who leads the NFL Right now, in rushing yards, 1,292. He leads the NFL in all-purpose yards. He has, right now, 13 touchdowns rushing, 7 catching. I think he is more valuable to that 49ers team in particular. So I do not think that Brock Purdy is the most valuable guy in the NFL. And also, I looked at a guy last night in Lamar Jackson, who, quite frankly, when you watch him play, the amount of things he can do making something out of nothing it, it, it exceeds what I've seen Brock Purdy do on the field. Brock Purdy, I know we got on Cam Newton in a, in a big way last week for calling him a game manager and calling all these other guys a game manager, but he does manage the game at a high level, and I think that's his best attribute. He doesn't turn the ball over. He gets the ball to his playmakers. They go make things happen. And I also think there's part of this where if you're having the discussion about his struggles in November, the three straight losses where he was throwing more picks than, than touchdowns uh, when Debo Samuel and Trent Williams were out, uh, I can hear that. But I do think that there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that would struggle without having their all-pro left tackle and an all-pro wide receiver. Now, the other discussion we need to have is being realistic about this award, this Most Valuable Player Award in the NFL – who does it go to? It doesn't go to running backs anymore. Derrick Henry would have won it a couple years back if it was going to go to running backs. He ran for about 2,000 yards. Um, it doesn't go to wide receivers. doesn't go to defensive players. It goes to quarterbacks. So it's a quarterback award, and Brock Purdy, honestly, has a great story to attach along with it, and I think Hall of Fame voters really do try to go for stories. I heard Shannon Sharp talking about it this morning on First Take. This is Mr. Irrelevant doing it for the best team in the NFL right now, the team that is likely favored to go win the Super Bowl this year. It's a great story in itself. He doesn't have all the talent in the world. He doesn't, you know, um, show game to game that he's going to put the ball per in perfect places and uh, beat you with his arm talent all the time. He just spreads the ball around without turning it over, doesn't make mistakes. But he's also Mr. Irrelevant, and he should not even be in this position. The fact that he is the starting quarterback for the 49ers, he had to overcome a whole lot 
Trey Lance was coming from a preferential spot, and Kyle Shanahan saw that it wasn't going to work out and said, Brock Purdy is our guy going forward. Everybody on that team latches on, seems to follow Brock Purdy. He seems to be a good leader of men. And then the discussion really comes to, okay, in the past have we seen guys, you know, not necessarily be elite quarterbacks, but have an elite year and win an MVP. And I look way back to Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon was an MVP of this league for the Oakland Raiders. Did anyone ever accuse him of being an elite quarterback ever? No. But the truth of the matter is, he was unbelievable and he was the best statistical quarterback the year he won the MVP. And that, I think, is ultimately the case that is going to be made for Brock Purdy, who is minus 200, according to FanDuel, to go win the NFL's MVP. He's thrown for 3,795 yards. That's 271 yards per game, 29 TDs, 7 INTs. He's led his team to an 11-3 record. He even has 138 rushing yards and two touchdowns there. Ultimately, do I think that Brock Purdy is the most valuable player in the NFL? No. Do I think he will win the most valuable player in the National Football League, though? Yes. I, I, I think it's uh, kind of a bizarre year. You don't have Patrick Mahomes playing at the best of his ability. Josh Allen not playing at the best of his ability. Lamar Jackson's playing really well, but he doesn't have the stats to back it up. I think Jalen Hurts has had his moments. Dak Prescott certainly has had his moments. But in the end of the day, it's a quarterback award, and the quarterback on the best team in the NFL has the best statistics to back it up. And I, I think that's the case you make for Brock Purdy and ultimately why he is the favorite to go win the award. I'm curious. I've seen this comparison thrown around a lot within like the last few weeks. What do you make, being a Rams fan, of mm-hmm. the Kurt Warner comparisons that he keeps getting? I think, I think we're a little too early on that. I think we're a little too early on that. I get the fact that Kurt Warner didn't come from a preferential spot and he still was able to get over top. But, he also uh, threw Kurt, for 4,000 yards. Kurt, Kurt, <laughs> yeah, Kurt Warner threw for 4,000 <laughs> yards. Greatest show on turf unbelievable weapons he had. Don't get it twisted. But he also did it in a Cardinals uniform. He's a Hall of Famer. I think we're a little bit farther off from Brock Purdy being a Hall of Famer. But if he can have years and years, sack years and years and years like this year on top of each other, not get hurt, have a little bit of playoff success. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.